Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. It's Randy Selzer here. Welcome again back to my YouTube channel and back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Dan Plowman is joining us today, and he is a dominant realtor in the east end of the greater Toronto area. He has a large team that he's built up over the years, and he is definitely one of the players in the east end of the GTA and in Durham region. So welcome, Dan. Nice to have you here today. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. No problem. It's my pleasure. Um, now, I'm going to forewarn the public here because we have two realtors talking, right? <laughs> two realtors talking. This could go on for a long time. We get started. Look out, folks. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but um, anyway, so I guess I, I can tell the public a little bit about you. I know that I think your head office is in Oshawa. Is that correct? Yeah, we're in the Oshawa Whitby border. Yeah. Okay, great. And I know you have a pretty big team. Like you've got 10 or 15 people, something like that. A lot of people yeah, work. We've got about 12 partners and field reps and some other people, the conversion partners, as well as support staff. I run a brokerage just for the team. Yes. Right. That's amazing. And um, for those of you listening in who are not in real estate, it is so difficult to scale uh, a real estate business. It's so difficult to build that sort of a team where you have people on the team that you can trust and who you can rely upon. Uh, there's not very many people who've been able to do that successfully. I mean, there's lots of husband and wife teams, and sometimes they have an admin assistant, but to grow a team as big as you have, Dan, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. No problem. How long have you been in the business? 33 years this November. Oh my God. Well, congratulations. That's, that's uh significant. You got me beat. That's uh that's significant. So anyways, that's a little bit about you. And uh, we're going to talk today. Uh, and I also, before I forget, I know you also offer uh, a coaching system for real estate agents, for realtors. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that maybe towards the end, because I know a lot of realtors listen in on this and I'm sure they'd be interested uh, to talk to you. Thank so you. no problem. So anyways, here we are. It's October, 2022. Uh, and man, what a timeline we've been on. I mean, what a year. Um, I mean, we finally got through the pandemic. We finally got through COVID, which was in itself was a huge world event uh, that affected everything, including real estate. Uh, and there's been so many shifts that came from that. There were, you know, disruptions to the supply chain. There were the shift for people working from home, which I think affected real estate in ways that were just becoming evident now. Um, we got through that kind of. Then there is this war in the Ukraine where who would believe in 2022, and we're not going to get into politics, never do that, but uh, you know, who would believe in 2022, there's a war going on in Europe. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that's going on. And that also has some effects uh, perhaps with the price of energy, the price of food, and also in immigration, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, so we got those things going on. And they may or may not, but possibly they have also contributed to inflation. Um, so we started out the year, and I'm going to shut up soon and I'll let you talk. I, oh, tend, to, I tend to ramble on. That's so great. Just give me the hook, you know. But uh, um, we started out the year in January and February, and I'm sure you, you can explain this even better than, way better than I can. But uh, we were going gangbusters the way we have for the past several years where, uh, you know, every listing that came out, there were multiple offers on it. 
you know, and ridiculous 15 and 20 people bidding on a house or a condo where houses and condos were going 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 over asking, just pandemonium. And that's been going on for a number of years. And a lot of people watching the market were saying, oh, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. You cannot have 20 or 25% increase in prices every single year. And I guess maybe they were right because starting in March, um, the Bank of Canada noticed uh, that there was inflation taking place in the grocery store, which is pretty obvious. And also in you know fuel for when you're gassing up your car and things like that. Although I've said it on another video, I, I find it interesting that they let inflation run wild when it comes to real estate prices. They didn't care. They just let it go. But when it started affecting these basic consumer goods, such as groceries and fuel, all of a sudden now they're on a mission to uh, stop inflation. And so that started in March and uh, the Bank of Canada started with a small rate increase, but they've since done several rate increases. And I believe we're going to have yet another one next week. I think it's on October 26th, the Bank of Canada's next meeting. So we're going to have another rate increase pro almost certainly uh, next week. And then possibly another one in December when they have their final meeting of the year. So interest rates have risen uh, from historic lows of around like 2% or less what they were before. Now you're looking at 4.5%, maybe 5%, and possibly even close up to 6% coming up by the end of the year possibly, maybe, nobody knows for sure. So that's had a dramatic impact on the real estate market, almost immediate. And a lot of people on this podcast or on this channel know that I talk about the, the, the Toronto Real Estate Board statistics, where we have dropped a lot in terms of year-over-year -year sales. We're down somewhere near between 35 and 40%, depending on the month. And prices have come down too. Uh, although that's an interesting one because I find it's kind of spotty there are some areas where prices have really dropped and other areas where they haven't dropped so much. And I think single family residences have dropped more than condos, which surprises me. So anyways, that's my long preamble, Ben, uh, just to kind of set the background. Uh, oh, and one final thing, and this is all within sort of a context of we still have in the GTA, we still have a, sort of a historic shortage of housing. You know, there's still this supply demand imbalance where there's all these people moving here, whether from overseas or other parts of Canada, where there's not enough houses and condos to house them. So you have to keep that in mind. There's this huge imbalance still. Um, so that's it. I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. Uh, maybe you can give us some insights uh, as to what's happening out in the East End. What's been happening with you and your team uh, since uh, the rate increases started in March? Well, I mean, sure, everything you've said without question has truth attached to it. But the, the reasons for which things happen, quite often people listen and watch these podcasts in hopes they can figure out why. You know, right. why is it happening? What's going on? Where are we going? How are we going to get out? How long before this ends? Yes. And, and what are we really looking for? Are we hoping we go back to multiple offers and prices mm -hmm. going through the roof again? You know, interesting, right? And I don't believe that's what we want. I don't believe that that was a good time for anyone, to be honest. If you were buying a home in that that Agreed. time, I'd rather I, buy a house now. And, and I heard yes. you say it in one of your previous podcasts. I'd rather buy a home now. Yes. And I agree with that for a number of reasons. I think for a number of obvious reasons. But, you know, it's interesting to see. Uh, by the way, in Durham region, we watch the same CP24 that Toronto people do in the <laughs> West End. And, uh, you know, when perception of you know, uh, the sky is falling or we're going to war or 2023 U.S. is going to go into mass recession, when, when these news releases compound and become the perception for which people see perception becomes belief 
And when people start to believe these things that That's they're true. going to, you know, come to fruition, uh, I, I call it fence sitters. When people aren't sure, should I sell? Should I buy? You get more people that will stay on that fence when beliefs start to become the reality for which they talk about or what mm-hmm. they, you know, it, it's a belief system. I could tell you a story quickly about some people that I know. It was a group of people in the Whippy area, and uh, they were in a specific profession, and they got together. Uh, there were five of them, and they sold their principal residence, believing that because of COVID, because of what was going on, um, that this this little spike we had at the beginning of COVID, you remember it? I do. Uh, people were shocked by it because we thought we we're going to go this way, which right. would make sense as you're going into a world pandemic, and we actually started to do this. So they sold their principal residences, which went on to almost double from there for another couple of years, right? Yep. And uh, those people may never get back in the market again. So my point to that is, you know, just because we perceive things to be maybe going in a bad direction because all indicators point in that direction doesn't necessarily mean that's going to come to fruition. And I think COVID was a perfect example of that. So mm-hmm. is perception our reality? Yes. Is perception the reality that's the truth? No, not always. And and that's a key True. point. And I say that because we really don't know what's going to happen. We do know, we do know price of gas has gone up. We do know our home prices have gone up. We do know that, yes, the market has been doing this for a while. We came off a spike, right? We came off a spike and did this, and now we're kind of doing this. That's what I'm seeing now, by the way. Mm. And, you know, when I look at Durham region stats, I'm a big stats guy, and I think any realtor or- uh, We're in anyone, trouble. We're in for trouble now. Okay. Well, but any anybody in this industry attached to it should stay close to stats because- I agree. You can guess on what you want, but if you look at historical patterns, it helps- to realize numbers, right? Don't, numbers don't lie. They don't lie. That's right. Right, right. So you look at Durham region, January 22 to September 22 in, in units sold from January 695, which was, which was slow by the way, uh, 1164 in February, 1397 in March, 1123 in April, 1079 in May, 972 in June, 733 in July, 815 in August, 672 in September. I'm showing you this right now. Right. And sure, sure. It almost seems like it's doing this. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's it's static. And mm-hmm. and that's interesting to me because to me, that's an indicator of a few things. Technically, when rates jump as much as they have, technically, when stress tests that have come into play happen, right. when inflation rises as quickly as it has, gas prices went up as fast as it is, technically, we shouldn't be selling that many homes. You know, it's funny you bring that up. That it, it It's not typical. You're right. It's like there's still people out there, and even if sales are down 30 some percent, that still means 65% of the sales are taking place. Right. Albeit maybe at a little bit lower price, but they're taking place. Right. W- what I find really interesting uh, in out here in the West End, I'm sure it's the same at your part of the GTA, is that there's no urgency. There's no sense. There's no panic selling. There's none that I can find. The odd one. I mean, people have to sell. They're getting divorced or they're moving to a different city. There's always going to be people that have to sell. But I'm not seeing people lining up at the gate going, man, we got to get out of this. I'm not seeing that at all. If anything, it's like nonchalant almost where they're saying, well, you know what? If I can't get my price, I'm going to take it off the market. A lot of listings pulled. Historic low listing levels. They say, you know what? I'll wait till next spring or later, whatever it takes. Right. I'm not going to sell. Same That's thing right. with buyers. I've got a couple of them that are, you know, they're ready, willing, and able. They got great credit. They got huge down payments, but they're saying, you know what? We're going to hold off because maybe, maybe prices will go down. They don't know. There's no, there's, yeah, they're sitting on the fence. There's no urgency. There's no sense of we got to get in now. That's right. Uh, and so we're, we're kind of in this sort of twilight zone where people are, are just waiting to see what will happen. Right. 
So it's and, good to hear you guys are in the same boat that we are. Well, sure, sure we are. I mean, other than the average sale price in Oakville is like one point six million. It's nine thirty <laughs> here, you know. But, well, but that doesn't mean so. There's bar there's bargains in Whitby. Come on, <laughs> folks. <laughs> you so know? like the average sale price in Durham region, like or since January from eleven seventy eight, February twelve twenty nine, March eleven forty, April ten sixty four, May a million, June nine seventy one, July nine hundred, August nine ten, September nine thirty. Interesting. So again, I'm so seeing this. Right. Yeah. So have we leveled off? Are we staying there? To your point with regards to people that are, oh, I'll just wait, I'll just wait. Look, in the last few years, your home has doubled. And since 2011 in Durham region, when the average sale price was $317,000, oh, which know. wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme. I mean, 10 years ago, 2012, 336, and then it's gone up. But from 2018, from 594, 2019, 610, 2027, 06, 2021, 926, 2022, over a million bucks. Sure. I mean, the prices, numbers don't lie, like you said, right? There, there it is. And, and you can see the, the massive spike is in the last few years. Yep. So I say that, and it's no different than anywhere, Barrie, Burlington, Hamilton, Oakville, other than prices are a little different. Right. The pattern has been the same. So people that have mass equity or equity in their homes um, yeah, they'll, you're right. They're, I don't need to sell. I don't have to sell. Yep. You know? There's Unless so much. Like you said, job transfer or divorce, for sure. I, I get it. Right. Uh, that's very interesting. You want to know my biggest regret? And I've been in real estate. You didn't buy a house every year when we since yep. you've been in the business? <laughs> yep. That is my biggest single regret is that I didn't buy more real estate yeah. when I when it was, in hindsight, so cheap. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Hardly, well, nobody knew. Nobody knew that we were going to get up to over around a no, million dollars and plus hindsight, right? Nobody knew. So that's an interesting point for future people to think about. But anyways, and I'm not, I'm not counseling anybody to do anything here. We're just going to talk about the market. So yes, well, those are very interesting numbers. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. The East end of the GTA has always been more affordable. I don't know why I honestly, I can't figure it out, but there are better deals in the East end than there are in the West. Although even now, uh, prices in Oakville, for example, are they're drifting lower as well, for sure. Sure, uh, sure. Growing. And I, I mean, you know, the other the other issues that you talked about was the state of the market. What's what's going on? I get that, that we're seeing static and et cetera, uh, yep. but there's there is less inventory. We still have a supply and demand issue. Let's not forget what's fueling the issue that has fueled the issue. Yes. And is it really a housing shortage or is it too many people? Well, which is it? That's well, a good well. question. <laughs> okay, that's a good question, and that. <laughs> You know, that's one that um, different levels of government Sam, can't seem to get a hold of. First of all, we have tons of immigration coming in. And I just want to go on record saying- And, and I, babies I, being born and babies yeah, that are growing yeah. up. That, I've yes. got 30, 40 year old men and women living in their parents' basements because they can't afford a home, you know, I, which, which by the way, we have ways that you can get a home. And we'll talk about that. I know it's one of your questions, but go on. Okay. So talking about immigration and I am, pro, I just want to go on record that I am pro-immigration. I really sure, am. That's what our country's we're, built. We're all, we're all immigrants. immigrants. You and I, our parents or grandparents, whatever, <laughs> we're all immigrants and uh, it's a big country. Like Canada is huge. Right. And now there's just a couple of things that, you know, immigrants tend to go to places where they think the future's bright. Uh, that could be Vancouver. It could be the GTA, wherever the big cities, they're going to go there. You can't, and I've said this before on other podcasts, that you can't force them. It's a free country. You can't force them to move to northern Manitoba. Nothing against the good people of Manitoba. Lovely no. place. But you can't force them. They're going to come where they have maybe an infrastructure of other immigrants from uh, similar countries. So they're going to come here where they can find if they're coming from but I won't get into that. It doesn't coming, matter. 
you're you right. Know. And the biggest opportunity lies in the big cities. The biggest opportunity yes. for housing lies in condos, right. which actually fuels that market. But that's right. Cool. That's right. So we're we're facing this, and depending on who you look at, you know, there's huge shortages of of housing. That's why the rental market. Uh, is so on fire, like the rental market, although it's maybe softened a little the last 30 days, but it's been nuts. I mean, people paying outrageous amounts of rent because there's nowhere else to live. Correct. And uh, it's, I mean, it's great to be popular on the world stage. I get, you know, we could be a place that's not so popular, but we are popular and we should embrace that. That's a great thing. People come here because they think the future will be brighter in spite of our weather, whatever. Um, but they like to come to Canada. They see it as a safe haven. And I think they're right. Sure. And uh, come to the GTA because they think there's opportunity here. And I also think they're right about that. So we're faced with that. And um, the governments, and there's different levels of government, federal, provincial, all the municipal governments, um, they're hard to get. They, they have a trouble. They have trouble getting organized amongst the three different levels. So, and I get it. You know, you get the feds with the immigration department. That's fine. Again, I'm pro immigration. You got the provincial government that has their issues that they have to deal with, and then you got the various municipalities, and they're dealing with getting reelected. They've got NIMBYs. There's all sorts of problems. But there are some, and there's bureaucracy. I still don't understand, and I don't know about Whitby and Oshawa and Pickering, but I don't understand how it can take three years to get a building permit in Toronto to build a condo. Why would it take three flipping years to get a building permit? And well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, a, it's the same problem here. And I have, I have small to medium-sized builders who have left the industry because of the red tape. Yep, I believe I it. Mean, you're buying a, a $10 million or $2 million piece of land to develop, whether it's five townhomes or 50. Yep. And you've got to sit on that land for three to five years before you even get a shovel in the ground. That's a problem. It when is. you eliminate that many developers and builders that should and can make money doing that and provide homes, yes, which we desperately need. Yep. Something's wrong at a government level. I mean, I'm, like, I'm don't get me started with hospitals, infrastructure yep. that should be developed and built long before the masses of which we know are going to happen because Transit. numerically you can just look at population yep. growth and where it comes from. You can see it coming. Why are we not as a government prepared? I totally agree. So what they do is they, they're attacking the demand side with higher interest rates. They brought in things like the stress test. They brought in things like the foreign buyer tax, which is fine, but I, I believe it's my personal belief that the real issue, the real underlying issue is a lack of supply. And if we had more supply in housing, that the prices would not be a million plus for a house or around a million. And, you know, even condos downtown, try to find one under 600,000. I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking. Well, it's no different than what happened in the car industry. Or if there were only 10 apples and 12 people want them, they're yes. not 10 cents anymore. They become 30 cents, you know, right? It doubles and triples in price. Dan, you are right on, man. And I don't understand why these levels of government can't understand, can't get it. They don't get it. It's a simple thing. And yes, okay, there's there's all sorts of political issues. The green belt. I'm for the green belt. I mean, we need to have green areas for ourselves, for our children, for our sure. grandchildren. They should not disturb that. That's fine. But there's still plenty of places to build. There's plenty of places. Well, and it's, transit, it's yeah. transit infrastructure. There's another thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, inferior. 
Don't even get me started on inferior, that. Inferior, inferior, world classes. I go to Washington. I go to New York City. Yep. I mean, you ever see the subway map of New York City? Yes, I By have. the way, yep. you know, you talk about the rents in, in lower Manhattan, lower Tribeca in Manhattan. You know, a one bedroom condos four thousand dollars a month. You know, again, perception, wow. reality, right? Right. And and that's normal, by the way, as a world class city in Toronto. If you compare to world-class cities, San Francisco, you know, parts of Chicago, right. lower Manhattan, if you compare, and we are a world-class city, I believe Toronto is one of the best cities in the world to live in. I do too. Our rent isn't bad. Our prices aren't bad when you well, think of it in that perspective. Now, I understand things have been driven out of proportion for where they were and so quickly for that to happen. Right. I get it. I understand that. I'm not disputing that. But, you know, relatively, when you open and look at the big picture, Toronto is just becoming, you know, world class city more in line we've, with pricing. That's all I'm jumped, saying. We've jumped up for sure. Yeah, yeah for we sure. Have. Um, I guess the question that I get from um, and would be the same, like, let's say you run into a young couple. They want to buy a place. They want to move to Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Ontario, and uh, which is a lovely place. And uh, but they work downtown Toronto. You know, that's that's they have to factor in if they're going to take the go train from wherever there was a Pickering, I guess, uh, whatever. There's a Whitby transit. There's a Whitby train. There's an Oshawa train it comes okay. right out. It comes East now. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah, sure. But, sure. but they still have to factor that in. And the, the biggest problem is if they don't work right at union station, you know, if they work at young and Eglinton, then it becomes much more difficult uh, to, to make that commute. Well, I'll tell um, you, I'll tell you my story and I'll go back to when I was 24, Three, 23 years old, living at uh, Dufferin and Steeles. And uh, my wife at the time and I wanted to buy a home. And we had, you know, we had three little kids. I was young with three little kids. And the only place we could afford was Oshawa. We came out, we bought a new house in Oshawa. I was in heating and air conditioning HVAC at the time. And I commuted. I did that. I did the commute. My clients wow. were as far as far west as Hamilton. You know? Oh, my goodness. So, and I did that every day for two years. Sold that business to my brother. Got my real estate license and landed myself at Durham Region by 25 years old. So people mm -hmm. will restructure people will move to where yep. they can afford i'm seeing that i i mean yeah i feel for the young couple that wants to have home ownership which is still by the way in north america for our culture deemed as extremely high in, yes. in in you know in the goal setting is family you know moving through the the steps of of financial freedom I, if you will but home ownership is a big one and i'm grateful for that we're in the business but uh my point is if if you really want to own a home you know a few things and I'm not shooting people down. I remember saving money and not eating, not drinking, not that $6 coffees twice a day existed then, but <laughs> we cut our costs. We cut our expenses. I wasn't buying $500 shoes. And and we right. did that for, uh, I remember saving very heavily for two years before we came up yeah. with our down payment for our home. It wasn't easy. And we moved way out of where I had to drive from Oshawa to Hamilton sometimes to oh, work. Man. Right. So that... th these are sacrifices people will make if right. they want to indulge and enjoy home ownership. So, we're seeing people from here, Durham Region, that are buying in Peterborough and Lindsay, and it's happening. So there's ways to do that, right? There's ways to get into a home. And and then, you know, I, I remember my brother, my parents helped him sign for his first mortgage, helped with the down payment. And I'm grateful I didn't need that at the time. But th the point is, we will help our kids if if, if we want to. And I think yep. some parents do it just because they want them out of the basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> well, we will get into that, but you're right. Um that is happening. Uh, it's happening out at my end too, where I've, we've got people moving out to places like Kitchener and Cambridge. Sure. And by the way, the agents out there, 
I had one conversation a couple of years ago with an agent in Cambridge and they hate us. Well, she did uh, because in her view, we were driving up the prices, all the people moving from the GTA oh, out to, to I know it's like, come on. come on, but there is an element of truth in it, maybe, uh, but it's not our fault. You know, if people, and especially with working from home now, a lot of people say, well, you know what? I can work from home, even if I'm living in Peterborough, because that's what we're doing. I only have to go in twice a week or something. Yeah, uh, yeah actually, you know, that's interesting you say that. It's actually become more feasible now to move a little bit further. And I, think and so. I noticed more corporations are supporting yeah. that. You know, from from thinking back, if I if I had a job nine to five and, and somebody had said to me, you only have to come in three or four days a week. Wow, every weekend's a long yeah. weekend. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know, I know. My biggest worry though is that, that how long is that going to last? Because uh, again, what if the company says, hey, effective January, you got to come in five days a week and then they're commuting in from Peterborough or sure. wherever. Um, it's interesting times we live in, man. I, it sure is. It sure I is. And, never and would have thought. There will be changes and adjustments. I think so. Uh, what's your What's your view on interest rates going forward? And I won't hold you to this. Nobody has a crystal ball. Um, but it seems to me every time I'm, I've been paying attention to like Tiff Macklem and the Bank of Canada and in the US as well, the Federal Reserve, they're so hawkish right now on inflation. They're going like, hey, we're on a mission. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna stop this inflation before it gets out of control. Uh, do you feel that we're looking at more interest rate increases next year? And again, I won't hold you to it. We're just two industry guys talking here. I, um, I do believe they're on a mission. I do, Bank of Canada included, and I do believe that. Um, and I don't like using the word. Um, recession or problematic in that regard that we go that far mm. uh, but you got to wonder what's worse inflation that's out of control like a a, a train off its rails or um mm. uh, you know some sort of a slowed recession what's worse well and that's funny you bring up that r word because uh, i was talking to a banker a couple of weeks ago and uh he i was saying well surely they wouldn't do so many increases that they'll push us into recession surely they wouldn't do that that's the last thing anybody wants and what he said to me was, "Sure, they would." Are you sure? He says, "Because that a recession is what kills demand. Sure. And when you kill demand, prices come down." And I looked at him. I was actually shocked. It had never occurred to me, even in my my senior years here, you know, my maturity, uh, it never occurred to me that they would do that. Maybe on purpose, sure, just to to uh, to stop uh, inflation. But I don't know. I'm not saying that that's what's no, going not, to and neither do I. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I mean, yeah. what, what I can see is what's happening. What I can see is what's in front of me. Uh, mm -hmm. I still see a major issue with supply and demand. I see massive infrastructure that's starting to lay down a little bit late, maybe. Like if you if you took a plane and flew from Oakville through Mississauga, you know, over Vaughan, mm -hmm. and then you go over York Region, and then you end up in Durham Region. And as you get out to the east, you see the 407 that connects to the 115, and you see nothing but fields attached yep. to these highways when i lived at dufferin and steels you know 35 years ago i remember the 407 going through there and people were like up in arms oh this is going to kill my house prices well no it actually <laughs> did the opposite yeah, drive right. through that concord corridor now on highway uh, 7. there are no fields left it's like another city that's right, right? Yep. you know right through vaughn it's like another city it and is. that's what happens when we put lay down infrastructure it creates opportunity for growth for infrastructure of which um, manufacturing comes more yep. homes come so as this lays down regardless of interest rates and ec economic issues and reasons for which they're trying to curb the uh, inflationary mm -hmm. rate and i get it and i understand it but guys keep in mind 
price of money is still cheap. I remember fighting for a mortgage huh. in 1988 at 14 or 89 for 14%. And I did well. My first mortgage was 14 and a half percent. It was. <laughs> You're uh, we're from the same page here. Right. I'm telling you. Right. Uh, yeah. And it, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's 100% right. And historically, if you look at those trends, uh, we're not doing so badly. Um, right. Now, what I'm also finding to change the pace here a little bit is a lot of agents that I run up against these days are young uh, and they've never been in a market. Uh, you know where I'm going with this. They've, they've never been in a down market. They, they don't get it. They're like, they're like deer in the headlights. They, they're not quite sure what to do because Maybe they've been in the business three or four years, two or three years. And from their perspective, uh, all you got to do is put a sign on the lawn and it's gone on offer date. Uh, or if you're working with buyers, you know, you have a strategy where you're going in firm and you're going in 120,000 over asking. They've never done anything else. They've never been in a market like you and I have been where it's not always straight up. Uh, there are down markets. I started actually, I got my license in 93 and started in full, full time in 94. And, but we had bought our first house in 1991 and that was after the big crash in 1989. There was a, for the, those right. that don't know, there was a huge real estate crash uh, in Canada in, in 1989. It took years to recover. That's correct. Like, five or six years to recover. A lot and of power sales. Yeah. A lot of power sales. There was a guy in the first office I worked in was a century 21 office. And, uh, and he had a connection with, with a, a trust company. And that guy, man, he'd walk in every Monday morning. Remember the old boards? They would write up the listings yep. on the board on the wall. He would come in. He'd put like five or six listings every week, yep. all power sales because of his connection. Killing Smart. Yep. Mind you, he's not in the business anymore because when power sales dried up, so did his business. <laughs> but that I'm not saying that's going to happen. In fact, I don't see the parallel uh, between today and 1989 at all. But my point is with younger agents that have no experience uh, in a down market or in a or more of a challenging market, they don't know how to market. They don't know how to sell a house. Uh, they're not really quite sure what to do. How do you, like you, your team, I'm assuming, and I, I'm pretty sure uh, is very experienced and very well-trained. Uh, how do you find it working with younger agents that just have no clue uh, that, you know, maybe the asking price they've taken a listing for is just way off. Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? First of all, new people coming onto my team uh, that have the, the 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 right why behind them, why they want to be a part of the team, why they believe they want to be with us. Um, mm -hmm. They're not allowed to have clients for quite a while, actually. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of training and the training that takes place on the buy side first uh, before, and it's months usually before they even get to the listing side. So, Interesting. Okay. But they're, they're actually made to shadow with an apprentice, a senior agent or someone from the leadership group before they even get clients. That goes on for quite a while. Before that even, they're in and through a training process that takes months. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of people don't make it through our training systems. And, you know, it's interesting you said that because I do believe experience counts, especially in this market. I also believe it matters in the last market we were in, but you're yeah. right. Anybody referred something from Uncle Joe could have put a sign on the lawn that sold for big money and your multiple offers. And, and, and you're a genius for having sold and, a house for a hundred grand over asking. And now you're a successful realtor. Right, right. <laughs> right. But, you know, until you, you run out of uncles then. <laughs> <laughs> or power sales, like you said, until you run out of power. So, yeah. you know, properties listed by us. And I'll, I'm just going to quote you some stats here. I'm doing this for a reason because it ties into what you just said. Right. Uh, uh, 3.4 days faster. 
than the average realtor in Durham region. We sell the Dan Plowman team, which is 31% faster. Properties listed by the Dan Plowman team here in Durham region get 10% more. And I'm not, I'm not, this isn't to plug anything because I know people on this call aren't looking to list their home with me. I know this, you're good, man. I I'm already know you're reason, good. Okay. But $93,000 more than the average listing listed by an average realtor than the, the Dan Plowman team gets. Uh, did, we did 2.3% more double ends than the average realtor. Property sold sell lower when we're representing the buyer by 2.7%, which is $24,000 more than the right. average realtor when negotiating. So uh, I'm saying that because yes, does experience count? Experience matter? Listen, I'm 33 years. I've got uh, partners on my team been with me because I started the team concept about 18 years ago. Right. And I have partners on my team 16, 17 years since the beginning still, two of wow. them for over 15 years. There's a reason for that. All of our experience combined, and I would say the core average is probably close to nine years on the team, oh, which is that, which is strong. So is. the experience of having been through different markets, does it matter? Absolutely. Now more than ever. Now, again, numbers don't lie. I read you some stats. That's a yep. fact. So why is it so important in this kind of market that experience seems to matter more? To me, because if you don't understand how to consult and not sell, Somebody who's sitting on the fence, they're going to stay there. You're not going to move real estate for starters. Secondly, people still want to get into the housing industry. You know, it's they interesting do. when we're dealing with buyers that are sitting on the fence. Well, maybe I'll wait. You know, I ask people quite often. We'll ask people right to their face. Are you planning on selling this in the next 12 months or 20 months or 24 months? Exactly. No. Exactly. So right. like, why wouldn't you get, if we're doing this, I mean, if you drew a line through real estate historically since the 1950s till now, it's a, it's been a great investment. But if you zoom in on any five-year period, it always does this, yep. right? I My favorite is people who think they can time the market to the exact perfect point, either to buy or to sell. Nobody can do that. No. Nobody. If no. somebody buys at the exact bottom, it's pure luck. If right. somebody sells at the exact top, it's pure luck. Sure. You know, it's just, but as long as you, I agree with you, if you're going to stay in that house for five, six, That's seven years, get in the market, get in. get in the market. That's what matters because I mean, unless you're selling out to retire and you're not buying again because you're 90 years old or 85 that's, years old. That's different. good timing. And unless you're buying in your first time home, who cares when you get it, but everything in between, you're probably buying and selling another home anyway. So whatever the market's doing is relative. I agree. Right? 100%. So the the point is get off the fence, right? The point is get off the <laughs> fence, right? Get in the market. That's what matters. So let's say rates do continue to climb and right. let's say prices drop by 20 or 30,000 bucks, but you're paying 3 grand a month in rent. Do the math. You're yep. better off buying. I've right? had this conversation so many times. You're paying 3,000 a month in rent, that's a net loss, complete. You know, that's 36,000 bucks a year. That's whatever. the highest interest you'll ever pay. It is. And you got nothing. At, okay, you can live there, but at the end of the day, you got nothing. Right. You got nothing. So I totally agree with and you. And guess there. what that guy's doing with the three grand? He's paying his mortgage. That's right. He's gaining the equity that'll come as we move through because it's always going to do this, right? Mm. So, I mean, historically, we've got to watch historically what happens. Experience matters and counts now. If you have a great consultant, someone who can help and understand yep. that advising you how to get into an affordable home properly, right. um, then that's the move, right? That's the move. I totally agree with you. I also happen to think that I don't know how many realtors there are in the on the trap right now in the Toronto Real Estate Board, but it's still over like 60,000. 60,000 people over. with a real estate license. Yeah. I believe if this plays out the way I think it will, which is to say that it could be a year maybe or more before we start maybe mitigating and getting back on track, 
uh, I think a lot of those people are going to drop out because um, they're not full time. Most of them are part time. They got their license because they believe that the streets were paved with gold and they have their other job or, you know, they drive a taxi or whatever, but they have a real estate license. And uh, I just don't think it's going to work for a lot of those people unless you are vested in the industry. If you, you have to be a full timer, I think that is absolutely cool. Well, and then, okay, so let me ask you this how many of the 60 plus thousand are part time? I, I would, I don't know that number, but I would guess like 75% of them. I was going to say over 50%. Yeah. So you and I are on the same page. Right. And and to me, you know, the industry standards in my, you know, I mean, try, have you ever considered being a, an OPP officer part-time? <laughs> oh, or a brain surgeon. Sure. Or no problem. a firefighter. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. They and won't there, take you. No way. There's a standard that doesn't allow it, whether that's union driven or not, I'm not going to get into that, but the protection for the consumer See, actually, Dan, you're bringing up a really good point. You want to uh, get into that? <laughs> well, I don't know, but I'm, I agree with you. There should be standards in real estate more. I mean, it is, let's face it, it's still a bit of the Wild West. It is. I'm not sure that's going to happen as long as uh, our industry is membership driven first, not right. consumer. And it, that's right. And every member is paying dues. Let's not forget. And There's that's the truth. At what it's all about you know oh we'll stay out of that one today i don't want to get in trouble here <laughs> yeah right oh rico's at the door okay now anyways uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but what so, we're saying is true i mean the, i agree and know. for anyone listening on this if if you can pick up one piece of wisdom here from both dan and i is that whatever you're planning to do in real estate uh wherever you are in canada whether you're in the gta or anywhere in canada or in the u.s work with a full-time professional realtor do not and I'm not bashing anyone specifically, but you know what? In today's market, it just is, it makes good sense to work with somebody who knows what they're doing, who is full-time, who's doing this every single day. Pre and prefer yeah, preferably experienced. And experienced, yes. And who, who's been in different kinds of market. Because I remember when I started back in the day, it was still recovery mode and it would took a lot of work to sell a house. It yeah. took a long time. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I'll say this to people who are part-time that are listening to this. It's Okay. But but consider this. I believe this is the best business in the world. Me too. Step it both feet. Give it your all. Yep. Right. That's just that's yep. what I believe. Just do it. And if you're concerned that you may not be able to provide or produce the revenue that's no. required to make it in this industry full time, you know, give me a call. I'll help you with that. Right. And that, that I'm not doing that as a plug. I'm saying sincerely, there are ways to turn things up. There are ways. Don't be afraid. This is the best business in the world. I don't believe this business deserves anything uh, halfway. That's I, just my belief. I totally agree. Um, sort of off track here a little bit, but I yeah, was all, I was a, I was a Mike Ferry guy for years. Mike Ferry, for any of you listening, was a big real estate trainer out of the U.S. Uh, Ferry spelled F-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, he used he, to run Huntington Beach. He used to own Huntington Beach in real estate in the seventies, I think. Right? He Go was. Back. He goes way back. Yeah. And uh, I started out with him, and I was one of those guys out there door knocking and cold calling yep. and fizzbos and the canned approach. Yeah, and yeah, it you, it worked. It worked. A, you get a hundred phone calls and ninety. You're gonna pick up one. That's or right. At you, but you got one follow-up. That's right. Yes. So I the did. faster they hang up on you, the quicker you get to that one. <laughs> that's Mike Ferry. Every rejection is, is a step forward because yeah. that's one less you have to work. Yeah. Anyways, I did that for years. I'm not doing that so much now in my game. Well, I, the, the canned approach, the old ways Doesn't don't necessarily yeah. produce the uh, things that are required today uh, You know, to generate opportunities and convert. It's a different yep. game. And unless you're in the game, in my opinion, yep. that's one of our unique selling props as a training coach companies. We're doing this. We 
give it to you turnkey. It works. You know, I'm selling a home every day, right? I know you are. And I don't say I that to brag are. or boast. No, I say that because I know. the systems work, right? I know. Yep. Uh, and that, but I'll, I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning. Uh, to grow a team like that is not easy in real estate. That is one of the hardest things to scale that business upwards. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of realtors that have an assistant, but not too many have a big team like that. Yeah, well, and, my, uh, my purpose for it, by the way, when we started this uh, 17, 18 years ago, was to provide a platform that allowed for an opportunity for a licensed realtor to prosper greater than that of which traditional real estate brokerages offer, which, and I worked in traditional real estate brokerages for years. It's yeah. like, here's your office and here's your bill every month. Good right. luck. If you, if you don't make it, we'll just fill it with somebody else. That's <laughs> right. Here's your bill, whether you sold something or not. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, good for you. That's fantastic. Appreciate you. So uh, are you planning uh, any changes with the team over the next uh, 12 months? Or are you just as business as usual? What are you guys, uh, are you changing? Are you pivoting? That's the favorite word these days. Are you going to pivot a little bit with the change in the market or well, what's I happening? Think I think language and conversation needs to pivot according to what's required to help people as from a consulting aspect that are maybe sitting on the fence or, right. or, or, or still living in the, you know, a year ago, my neighbor got this and his house was oh, nice and I want still, the same. Still, you got to try to, it's not January anymore. It is now okay. October and that price is gone. It's, yeah. it's, it's that ship has sailed. Sure. So we will, we pivot yeah. every week. We meet Mondays right. for business. We meet Fridays for skill development as a team. We're very a close knit culture that has this connection that allows for that experience to come through and help with objection handlings and issues, concerns uh, that come up that people share from all mm. different aspects because we're all in different homes as we move through the week. But when we're able to connect on Mondays and especially Fridays for skill development, which is more in line with your question, mm. we're able to pivot and do what's right with regards to language as it changes with the industry. And that's that, again, is unique in that we're mm. in the trenches. So if you're not able to do that, whether it's pay-per-click online or lead generation or conversion and what language you're using to help people, you, you know, you become outdated quite quickly. What happens in two years now used to oh, take 10. That's right. That's absolutely true. And um, sometimes I tell younger ages that when I started in real estate, there was no internet. Uh, I stopped doing that because they'd look at me and it's like, what, what? does that mean? <laughs> Are you from the Jurassic? Era? What? What? But it's true. That's funny. There was no internet. And you, um, so now everything's changed. But uh, You know, I so, remember I remember years ago, uh, I had an opportunity in the early 90s to buy into one of the water companies, Bottled Water. And okay. they became a big name, by the way. If I'd have bought stock or gone in with the 10000 they were looking for, which was a lot of money back then, I'd probably be, have a million dollars from that 10 grand now. But I remember somebody in the room saying, Bottled Water, forget it. Never going to happen. And I thought, <laughs> I agree. And I remember people saying that about the internet. So, <laughs> well, you know, well, there you go. So many changes, so many changes. Yeah. But I do believe uh, that we are at a, uh, a sort of a critical point right now in uh, in real estate this year and possibly next year. Uh, yes, there's a correction going on for sure. Uh, how long it's going to last, nobody knows. Uh, and I agree with what you said just a few minutes ago that if you are interested in getting into the market, it's, you know, you can never time it. But if you're interested and if you're ready, willing, and able, if you're qualified and you can you can get in there, you should do it. Um, it's, you know, maybe it'll be a better time in March. I don't know. Nobody knows. But the, the point is you want to get in. And the one thing we can pretty much guarantee you is that you're not going to be fighting uh, in, a, in a bidding war uh, today. And that itself, like, is just, 
Uh, and what you said earlier also rings so true that everybody thought that realtors were happy when we were in the crazy bidding wars. That's, it was a miserable time because, you know, if you had 20 people bidding on a house, 19 of them walked away empty handed. Right. And, and then you had the same client and you were doing, going through it again. Oh, uh, start all over again. again. And again, I had again, a few, that's where give up. You know, no, but that's where experience mattered in that market too, because we were constantly monitoring whether we were in the top two or three. And we were usually because yep. of the language and because of the positioning we were able to create in that time because of the experience. That's so right. Experience counts in every market. I totally agree with you, sir. I do. So what else you want to talk about? We got all our problems solved. We got, you know. We... <laughs> well, I think that until the supply and demand issue is yeah. really addressed, which I do believe that there are things slowly coming into place, going through new red tape now, which is yep. still another issue. Right. Um, until that becomes or is addressed. Uh, in the meantime, by the way, while that's going on and the government's trying to figure this out, we're still, you know, having more children. Kids are hitting that ripe age of 25 or 30 and want yep. to buy a house and immigration's, you know, coming, which it should. And I, I mean, should. we're one of the best countries in the world. I agree. Yep. But these are real factors that, in my opinion, we're late addressing Yes. And we're becoming more late, but we think we're doing a good job. And then the government puts press out that we built 26 homes in Scarborough last week that are going, <laughs> or we just approved 26 but, homes. Well, we you, need 26,000. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wake up and smell the coffee, guys. <laughs> and they pat themselves on the back. But anyway, right. it's right. Th there's some real issues. I do believe that an adjustment period is constantly happening in the industry but when you have world issues like war when you have world issues like you know diesel fuel at two dollars and forty cents uh, a liter when that is the biggest transportation for ships yep. for trucks for right. our consumer goods these are all factors driving inflation and us as the public can hear this more readily around the world than ever yep. you've got the perception and the belief that the sky is falling coming at us there's a lot going on. And yeah, I do believe that, you know, we, you know, my, my wife always says when there's something that changes, the pendulum always swings really far one way and then it slowly, mm -hmm. it comes back. And I believe right now with a lot of things we're here and it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. People, that would be my message. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Very good insights, Dan. That's, um, that's it. I think, sure. um, I think that, uh, it, you know, if you're looking for a house or if you're looking to sell your house, definitely work with an experienced agent. And uh, I, if you're in the East End, definitely. If you're in Mississauga, don't call call me. But uh, <laughs> if you're in the East End, definitely his team. I know they have a great reputation. Number We're one. here for you. We appreciate that. Yep. And I will definitely put a link uh, to your uh, coaching because I know there's a, there are realtors that watch this. And uh, definitely, hopefully, you can get a few from there. Happy to help and thank you. Thank you, Dan. It's been a real pleasure. Nice to meet you. And let's do this again sometime. Anytime. Appreciate you. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.